Acts chapter 1, and we'll uh, start in verse number 12 um, this morning. Read to the end of the chapter as we uh, continue here uh, God's preparation um, for Pentecost here and for His church. Um, we looked at the spiritual preparation, the Holy Spirit, the promise there is, com- is coming. Uh, but here, uh, kind of look at God's preparation on the personnel front, if you will. Because I'm thankful that He is uh, not just uh, spiritual and that uh, we had to come to Him, but thankful He came to us through Jesus, of course. Uh, but also He cares about us on a personal level. So, level. so uh, this morning, verse number 12, uh, the Bible tells us, uh, Then returned they, the disciples, they unto Jerusalem, from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. When they were coming, uh, they went up into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, Simon's zealots, and Ju- uh, Judas the brother of James. But it continues in verse 14. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication with the women. Uh, and Mary, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and, notice, with his, Jesus' brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said, uh, the number of names uh, together were about 120, Men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost, by the mouth of David, spoke before concerning Judas, which was guide to them that took Jesus. For he was numbered with us and had obtained part of this ministry. He part of this ministry. Now this man, Judas, purchased a field with the reward of iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst, and all his bowels gushed out. Verse 19. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, insomuch as the field is called in their proper tongue, Akodama, that is to say, the field of blood. Uh, for it is um, uh, written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate. Let no man dwell therein. And notice, focus here a little bit for God's preparation. It is bishopric, let another take. Let him be replaced. And wherefore of these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from the baptism of John unto that same day that he was taken up from us, must one be ordained to be witness with us of his resurrection. They pointed to Joseph called Barsabas, and who was surnamed Justice, and Matthias. They prayed and said, Thus, Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen, that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship, from which Judas by transgression fell, that he might go to his own place. They gave forth the lots, and a lot fell upon Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. Again, let us consider this morning uh, God's preparation on a personal front here. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. Pray help us, Lord, as we uh, take a few moments, Lord, to dive into your word. I pray you give our hearts and minds understanding uh, for what you have for us, Lord. I pray just, again, uh, help us, God, just to uh, prepare ourselves, knowing that, God, you want, desire to prepare us each and every day, Lord, to uh, be vessels of, uh, uh, that are fit for the Master's use. And so I pray you, again, help us that, with that this morning. Thank you again for your people. Thank you for, the faith, for their faithfulness. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. And as we talked about to get ready, we know that Acts chapter 1 has been full of preparation for the future that God has for His church. Um, last week again, we saw how uh, Jesus in chapter 1 
uh, repeated the promise of the coming of the Holy Spirit of God. And we know this will be fulfilled through the Holy Spirit coming in Pentecost. And that is the comforter that Jesus promised in his earthly ministry. And so I'm not going to necessarily repeat that part. But, but the reality here is the believers, the disciples of his church are, are moving forward in the next step that God has for what he wants to do. And we know that this is during the, the church age uh, right here in the book of Acts. And, and while... Um, we know the disciples were convinced uh, through the appearance, right, of the resurrection. We understand that um, uh, they were convinced, even though it took uh, many of them, right, because we all want to be pro- uh, given the proof ourselves. But yet, now that they're on board, now that they believe that who they followed for three and a half years is uh, the Messiah, now we understand that the disciples have a mission to do. And... Uh, uh, even though they, again, they followed uh, Jesus the whole time, the whole ministry, first, verse 8 gave us the dynamite they have uh, to fulfill that, right? That uh, you shall receive power, that's the dynamite, dunamis there, that to, to give us uh, the ability to uh, fulfill what God has for them. Because you know that thankfully God equips us with everything we need. And that includes the disciples here. And um, they were expected, as verse 4 and 5 tell us, to to. Not depart or to tarry, if you will, in Jerusalem uh, for a few days until the Holy Ghost comes upon them. And, uh, and as we finish up verse 11, right, the angels told him, Hey, why are you looking up into uh, gazing up? This same Jesus is going to return in like manner, just like he said he would. And he still is going to. And as a result, we know as they return in Luke 24, Verses 52 and 53 tells us that uh, the outward change, right? They were praising and they were uh, preaching in the temple there. So here's a, a dramatic change, as you can expect, right? For the, the 40 days since Jesus Christ proved them that he was a, alive and that he rose from the dead, that then the disciples, when they were told by the angels, stop staring and get back to work, you know what they did? They got back to work. They, they praised the Lord. And so instead of when they were hiding in the the upper room, if you will, uh, when uh, Cleopas and his friend there on the road to Emmaus, when they turned back to go to Jerusalem, to share what God has shown them through Jesus, and Jesus himself showed it to them, that this is a complete change, as how they were now not only, they, they were no longer scared, they knew that, hey, if Jesus, since Jesus has risen from the dead, he has life over, he's in control of everything. And so, uh, here, uh, we know chapter 1, verse 3 told us of the infallible proofs that gave them confidence and boldness. And so, I think verse 12 kind of gives us that, that context of, of how they, when they went back to Jerusalem, and it tells us from Mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And so, uh, again, we understand that Luke here is writing to Theophilus, a Gentile, and so he's not going to repeat or he kind of com- uh, he he transitions here in the book of Acts. He doesn't, and we uh, again we kind of considered a few things there in the book of Luke in twenty four about how uh, as uh, the disciples moved forward. But here again, Luke is telling Theophilus that God's not done with the church uh, with the disciples, and God's not done with you, Theophilus, and God's not done with us. And so, uh, but in verse twelve, it gives us an interesting note, right? He says. Uh, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. Um, he, he uses a, a, 
a Jewish term there, right, on a Sabbath day journey. What does that mean, necessarily? What, and while we can't necessarily, uh, I, uh, it was, uh, it's likely due to uh, the, long, uh, the, the longest journey a, a Jew could take on a Sabbath day. This would have been about a half mile, possibly three quarters of a mile. But again, it was the, the, the longest someone could walk uh, on that Sabbath day without breaking the law, right? Because that, that length was not considered works. And so, so um, it, it tells us that they can, uh, still went back to Jerusalem, though, uh, which just tells us, again, they came from uh, uh, Mount of Olives there. And so they, they went back to the, the battlefield. Okay, and so, um, and so what happens? Well, uh, it tells us that in verse um, 13, it says that when they, can't, when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. Now, we don't know the location of this house. There's speculation, uh, depending on who you read after, plenty of that. That's not my point this morning. Uh, the reality is that the room had to uh, be a part of a large building. Well, why? Well, I do know from verse 15 that the number of the names were about 120. So there had to be a room with 120 people to fit in there. And so, again, my point is that it's, it's no longer the disciples hush-hush, like, oh, shh, be quiet. Be quiet, because Jesus... He's, he was crucified, and so we don't want the Jews to come get us. Now it's a upper room with all these 120 people who are openly praising the Lord because of why? Because they believed in the infallible proofs, the truth that God had get, given them uh, and allowed them to be a part of this. And so they were uh, a, a great change here because they were given boldness and courage to do that. And so and they're waiting here in, in, in uh, Jerusalem for the comfort to come in a few days. In verse 13, tells us they list out the disciples, of course, 11 there. Um, but they weren't by themselves, as we'll get into. Because vo- verse 14 says that it continues with one accord, right? They were on the same page. And um, this also continues the fact that the disciples were not alone, that the, the women referenced uh, there uh, with the women. And probably, I would, I would believe that they would have been the, the women that uh, Jesus appeared to after his resurrection. Uh, Mary Magdalene, right? Uh, Martha and Mary and, and Salome, uh, Salome there, among others. And so, um, and so we understand that um, uh, included in this group is the family of Jesus. Now, I want to say this uh, with um, uh, the next one, Mary, the mother of Jesus, right? Um, this, notice, though, this is the last mention of Mary in Scripture. Why would I say that? Well, we know that uh, if God wanted us to lift up Mary like other religions do, then I think we would find more of Mary in the epistles. And again, not, not trying to get on a tangent necessarily, but, but again, uh, why? Because you read the epistles, the letters that God's men wrote to us to fulfill the New Testament. We get a lot of our doctrine, or most of our doctrine from them. Of course, they, they got their doctrine from Jesus Christ. So I'm not trying to lift them up above Jesus. Um, but there's nothing listed about Mary. And so... Uh, we know Mary, of course, is chosen uh, to be Jesus' mother. And again, I don't want to miss out on that, but we know that Mary was still a sinner and he is a savior. And so she's not an idol. And so she's a believer just like all of those of us had to turn to trust in Jesus. And the same with these followers of Jesus here in his ministry. They had to turn to Jesus. And, and so uh, included in that, notice, and with his brethren. Now, it's interesting, right, that um, these were include the other uh, children that Mary had with Joseph there. But uh, I read this the other day in my devotions to kind of support this. But John 7, 5, it tells us 
Uh, we're talking about Jesus' ministry there and, and how, but it says, for neither did his brethren believe in him. And so at that point, right, then even likely, uh, maybe a year before this, possibly even six, eight months before uh, they believed in Acts chapter 1 was John 7. So the point is, is that even when Jesus was growing up, right, that they, uh, the, the, his brethren, his, his family, in a sense, uh, uh, um, uh, didn't believe in Jesus as a Savior. And I know, obviously, we know Scripture doesn't I- include their t- conversions, but their eyes were open at some point to get saved. Okay, so, um, but now here, once Luke kind of sets the stage, right, they go back to Jerusalem, it shows us that they're together at one accord. They have all the 120 members there uh, ready um, and pra- praising the Lord. Luke's who um, steps up um, to move the church forward a little bit. Verse 15. Um, in verse 15 it says, And in those days Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and, and said, and he continues, right, that as we looked at the spiritual preparation, here God in His, uh, in his wisdom in the transitional part of the book of Acts, uh, He uses Peter. As we understand in the, the next few chapters, we understand that uh, God has focuses, if you will, on Peter. And we know, of course, Peter, uh, in his flesh, probably reveled in this, in, in this opportunity to speak out and to be the leader. But we know in a spiritual sense that God has finally got his attention uh, when he denied Christ three times, right? That he uh, uh, repented of that. And, and so we know in the, the book of John, right, 21, when he talks to Peter about... Uh, uh, about lovest thou me three times, just to uh, kind of remind him that he has a plan for Peter. Well, this is his plan. And so here Peter is, uh, uh, he clears off a spot, so to speak, to to encourage uh, the other believers. Now, um, uh, we understand that uh, uh, we don't know the thoughts of these groups besides beyond verse 14 about how they continued in one accord. Uh, but they were waiting and I don't want to say I don't want to underestimate this with uh, that truth, uh, but let's notice, let's consider, and this is kind of my perspective, my disclaimer, full disclosure here. But notice what he says in verse sixteen, right? He kind of he kind of clears off a personal spot uh, for his for the fellow believers. Notice uh, verse sixteen, men and brethren, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled, which the Holy Ghost by the mouth of David spake before concerning who. Judas, right? Judas Iscariot, which is guide to them that took Jesus, okay? All right, and right away, Peter, what does he say? He says, first and foremost, he said, hey, uh, Scripture must needs have been fulfilled. What's he talking about? He so said, you and I, right, we, when we read Scripture, we see all the times when Judas is mentioned, was it, it's mentioned that what? That he will betray Jesus, right? That you and I see that from this perspective, right now, that Judas is going to... Uh, uh, betray Jesus. We know that uh, Judas was the one who uh, essentially sold uh, Jesus to the to the religious leaders. But we know that he was simply just a vessel. But the scripture must be fulfilled that, of course, God was over all of this betrayal. But not not. But Peter isn't talking about. Okay, guys, grow up. Forget about Judas. Right. Forget about that person. Why? Because. It caught all of them off guard, right? I mean, even in uh, whenever Jesus to- told them that, hey, someone's going to deceive me and betray me, and they'll say, is it I, Lord? Right? It'll convict him. They're saying, am I going to be the one who betrays you, Jesus? Because nobody knew what was happening. It was a mystery, right? 
And so, um, again, so, so as we consider this, I don't want us just to skim over it necessarily, but also don't want to necessarily read it too much into it, but hopefully we can find a balance with that this morning. It's talking about how, um, uh, again, the, the disciples, these believers, um, were all in one accord, but uh, uh, apparently, right, there had to be some kind of a thought or maybe some murmurings or, again, people voicing their doubts, maybe a sense of, of, of how caught off guard they were. Because uh, while, again, not even to comparing Jesus' resurrection to Judas' betrayal, but we know, we know that the, the, it still was fresh for them. We, uh, 40, over 40 days, but less than 50, we understand it. Um, uh, but while, um, while, yes, the disciples were given the boldness to preach Christ, I think we, we can't forget that the reality is that Judas was still a part of this group in person. He was still with them every step of the way. And that's, what, that's why I can't fathom how, uh, how he could betray Christ. But nonetheless, we know it must needs fulfilled. But Peter here steps out and says, uh, yes, he was with us, but he was not of us, right? You know, we say about we are uh, uh, in the world, right? But we're not of the world. Well, he's kind of using that and conversely, the opposite way of, of Judas, saying, yeah, he was with us, but he's not of us. He wasn't saved. Uh, and so he wasn't, uh, 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 he, he was lost. And so here, um, uh, Peter is kind of uh, mentioning that he was in our group in verse 17, right? It says, for he was numbered with us and have attain, obtained part of this ministry. Again, maybe I can read into that part of this ministry, but I, I would submit to you that it was because he did the active service on the outside, but we know for sure that inward heart, he was still lost. Uh, and he was still uh, lost despite the fact that he was a part of the ministry there. Um, and so again, he, that could lead to different thoughts for the people. But notice, um, uh, but Peter though, again, what does he start out with? He doesn't use his own opinion. He doesn't use what he thinks is right. No, he says, uh, the scripture must needs have been fulfilled. So he's talking about how Scripture leads the way. The Bible is, of course, the authority. Um, and so, so God knew this needed to take place because nothing uh, catches God off guard. But verse 18, Now this man purchased a field with the reward of iniquity and falling headlong, he burst asunder in the mist and all his bowels gushed out. Now, uh, that's a very vivid picture of what took place, but um, uh, we know that Judas committed suicide. And we understand why he didn't buy the field necessarily. We know that when he uh, returned the money to the religious leaders, in their pride and in their uh, in their own minds, and saying, "How can we take this blood money and put it in the uh, the service of the Lord?" So they bought a field, and and that's what they give reference to here about how Judas purchased this field. But he just that the essentially they use it as blood money. And, and a good, of course, uh, that's what it became known as there in verse number 19, was the field of blood. Um, now, the traditional side is south of Jerusalem in the Valley of Hinnom. Uh, it's close to Kid- uh, Kidron Valley there. And so, uh, Matthew, in his gospel, refer- refers to this place as the potter's field. Uh, because uh, the soil uh, was... was uh, used for pottery because it was it was receptive to that uh, type of uh, uh, of work, and so so again, just as uh, it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem, verse nineteen, the common citizen of Jerusalem in that area uh, would have recognized that uh, he they knew where the place was where Judas uh, 
killed himself in that, that field of blood, if you will. Now, uh, with that in mind, we know Peter isn't trying to get sympathy for Judas, and neither am I. But th- I think this is Peter, in a sense, being pastoral, right? He, he's, he's not coming out guns a-blazing, as we thought we would think Peter would be, right? As he blurted out uh, so many times in the gospel accounts. Uh, he's not saying, hey, yo, guys, wake up and move forward. Forget about this guy. He betrayed Christ. And again, uh, we know this is an important time uh, for the, the work of the church. Uh, but, but I think this is also after he, God prepared his people, uh, reminding them about, hey, you're going to receive the dynamite in verse 8. You're going to re- receive the spiritual power to do great and mighty things. Well, he's not forgetting about the personal part. Because yes, spiritual, we understand, is, 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 a, is a priority. But here, he uh, refers, in a sense, to the, the emotion of the people, right, that, that the betrayal of Judas led to. You know, I think, right, and if you're not careful, we can uh, look over that. Because we all have people in our life that have made decisions to go away from Jesus or do things in their life that kind of like, what are you thinking? You know, it, it kind of hurt us in a sense. And um, we can at least probably would say that they made decisions that are contrary to the Bible. But, and so it leads again to multiple multitude of emotions. But, but I want us to remind ourselves that these these disciples, these believers, were not diff- much different than you and I are, right? So, so what happens? And so, um, uh, so again, Peter here is not brushing over the human emotions. But where does he turn? He turns to scriptures. Verse 20. It says, For it is written in the book of Psalms, Let his habitation be desolate, and no man dwell there, and his bishopric let another take. Well, what reference are you talking about? Well, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, Psalm, um, uh, Psalm 109, 6 through 8, I'll read for us. Um, it says, Set thou a wicked man, uh, man over him, and let Satan uh, stand at his right hand. When he shall be judged, let him be condemned, and let his prayer become sin. Um, but verse 8, this is kind of what uh, Peter references here. It says, Let his days be few, this man who's going to, Betray Christ and let another take his office. And we could go to other references of, of how uh, Jesus had to be betrayed. But, but, I, but I think this is what uh, uh, Peter's talking about. How someone needed to uh, take his office. And so, um, but again, he uses scripture uh, to, to remind them and to keep the people on track. And I'm thankful that uh, God gives us the Bible. And I'm thankful that there's nothing better we can turn to. You know, in this context of uh, our verses this morning, we know we're uh, talking about Judas. And again, some people were concerned maybe about the the um, position of, that uh, was vacated because of Judas's betrayal, right? And so, um, but but here Peter's reminding him, hey, God wrote this in the book of Psalms, Psalms a thousand years before, about a thousand years before Judas even betrayed him. So... But Peter is saying, hey, God knew this was going to be happening, similar to, again, what he said in verse uh, 16, how the scripture must needs been fulfilled. But he's reminding us that don't get caught off guard, that trust in what God is saying. Because, again, why? Because not only uh, do they have the Bible, have the scripture that proved to them, but what? We can't forget. Verse 3, they have infallible proofs of, of his resurrection. And so, so here uh, is the time where it appears that uh, Peter is moving to replace Judas, and 
And, and I think uh, God here, in, in the way he says it, uh, would not necessarily disagree with their desire to replace uh, Judas and to find a 12th uh, disciple, apostle here. So, um, again, I think this is a, por- a form of the church moving forward. And so, I think it reaffirms the, the new dispensation in the church age. So, verse 21. Wherefore, these men which have accompanied with us all the time that the Lord Jesus went in and out among us. Okay, and so uh, here it begins. Peter kind of lays out some requirements, if, if you will, to replace Jesus. And, and, and again, um, I, I preface this by saying this. Uh, again, we don't know about, we, we don't know if, if they were supposed to do this necessarily. And some would say that they doubt this should have taken place. That's not my point this morning. Uh, but uh, I, 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 we know that Peter will have to answer for that had to answer for that, and as we all have to answer for uh, how we serve the Lord. But Matthew 19, uh, 28 does tell us uh, of, uh, of something. It says, And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that ye which have followed me in the regeneration when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of His glory, what, the thousand-year reign of Christ, ye also shall sit upon, what, twelve thrones, judging us twelve Tribes of Israel. Now again, not here to debate necessarily. We know though that there's 12 thrones and, well, do the math, there's only 11 apostles. So, there's one opening. So again, this leads to discussion, right, of whether or not they got ahead of God. and Because we know God's going to call a man named Saul, who become Paul, the greatest missionary ever to live, in my opinion. Um, and again, I don't want to digress necessarily. Uh, but here though, uh, it's not that, because verse 21 tells us, right, that Peter's not... He's not putting a sign out, right? That we're the bold. They're encouraged. The 120 people are on the the same page, the same one accord. And so Peter here, he's putting a sign saying, "Hey, help wanted, anyone, everyone." No, Peter's not doing it just to simply get anyone. He has requirements. He has basically making it a calculated uh, uh, process here, because again, I think because we know that he wants to please the Lord and and. Um, and one of the requirements says that these men have companied with us. And so, um, so they would need to be a follower of Jesus' ministry, right? They would be a, a close follower, right? It's not just a knowledge of Jesus. Uh, because, again, Judas had knowledge of Jesus. He was with them for three years, but he was still lost. And so verse 21, I think, would tell us that he had to uh, uh, have a personal walk with him. And verse 22 continues, right? Beginning... Uh, from the baptism of John uh, unto that same day that he was taken up from us. And so while we understand that um, uh, there's others who followed Jesus um, uh, uh, beyond those 12 disciples and those 11 who uh, 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 saw him being taken up from him, a reference, I believe, to uh, when he, uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 9. Uh, and I think some of the a decent portion, if you will, of, of one, those 120 people were in that group. Uh, but not only a follower of Jesus, but also, verse 22, second half tells us, um, must one, uh, or, or yeah, that witness the taken up there. And so uh, it tells us, uh, oh yeah, must be ordained to be a witness with us of his resurrection. So it's telling us someone who witnessed and, and saw Jesus alive again after his resurrection. Because again, he he... Uh, was there for 40 days before he ascended up into heaven. And so again, Jesus makes sure his the followers were equipped. Why? Because 
Because his first link of the church goes beyond just a message. Right? They saw they were followers of Jesus through his ministry. Number two was that they uh, saw Jesus alive after the resurrection. And so, and we'll get to the third one in a few moments, but verse 23 tells us that they submit uh, uh, the two men. They appointed two of these. Of all those, the first two requirements, uh, two of them were met. Joseph called Barsabas, and who was surnamed Justice, uh, and Matthias, right? So we have uh, uh, the two men here. Uh, but here uh, uh, we know that um, uh, these men will not be mentioned beyond this time. And so, uh, we, and again, we don't have a lot of information on these men. Uh, so again, that kind of leads to debate on whether or not the disciples went fast or got ahead of God. But what does verse 24 tell us? It tells us that they prayed uh, and said, Thou, Lord, which thou knowest the hearts of all men, show whether these two thou hast chosen. So the third requirement was... Third qualification for the apostles was they had to be chosen. So they had to uh, witness uh, Jesus' ministry, uh, witness his uh, resurrection, uh, him resurrection, and the third one must be chosen, of course. And that's obviously because, uh, as uh, we under- we saw in chapter one, verse two, how all the apostles were chosen. So it makes sense that they were all there. Um, and so again, these men, I think, were actively serving. Uh, actively, actively searching God's mind on the matter. And it's all part of God's preparation for the future of His church. Why? Because we know Acts 2 is coming. In verse 26, of course, they give lots and God chooses uh, Matthias. Um, uh, this is an Old Te- Testament preference, uh, way of doing that, right? Uh, of, of casting lots. Because Proverbs even uh, 16, verse 33, tells us the lot is cast into the lap but the whole disposing thereof is of the Lord. And, and all as well as this, this is the last time it's in Scripture recorded uh, in terms of direction, because why? What's coming at Pentecost? The Comforter, the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit directs us uh, during this time. So for, but this, for this transitional chapter, if we will, chapter 1, to bridge the gap from Jesus' ascension into heaven to the day of Pentecost, God has two types of preparation. One, first and foremost, was that He reminds in the spiritual uh, power is coming. But number two, he says, hey, I care about you personally. I, I know that you have human emotions, that you're, uh, a ma- that uh, I'm not overlooking that. And so, so nonetheless, they, ch- they a number Matthias with 11 apostles. And so again, um, as we see from our temporal focus this morning, if you will, um, from man's point of view, it should give us two, again, two takeaways. One was that God cares about our human emotions because uh, uh, we understand that they have a work to do. But again, verse 11, right, it says when the, when the angels told, hey, God, the disciples to, to get to work, right, to uh, go back to Jerusalem, um, it, it doesn't fast forward to Pentecost in chapter 2. No, it gives us another ver- few verses uh, to spend on the personal touch that God has for you and for me. Because again, verse 15 to 16, who does God use? Peter. He could have sent the angels and said, hey, what are you guys doing? Grow up. Judas is gone. Now get to work. But no. Well, I'm thankful that God isn't like that. I think this shows us how God's grace is always available to us. And I think the second part is not just that God cares about emotions and that grace is available, but the second part connects that to this, is that how are we able to experience this grace? 
Well, Peter tells us it's not through Peter. It's not through even, hey, all 120 people saying, hey, come together. And no, it's saying, hey, go look to the word of God. Why? Because he starts out with scripture must needs have been fulfilled. And so he looks at the word of God as, as, as uh, um, the foundation that we all must have. And so again, um, they, saw, they used scripture to see one that God knew what was going to happen even a thousand, over a thousand years. We know that. But even particularly from the book of Psalms to this time period, about a thousand years. And so if God knew what was happening back then, it's to encourage them knowing that God knows what's going to happen moving forward. It's the same for us today. Is that we don't know what's ahead of us. And for the disciples, they knew that the Holy Ghost was going to come upon them in just a few days. But I don't think anyone in the wildest dreams knew what was going to happen at Pentecost. And how God was going to do that. And we know the Comforter will come, just as Jesus said. But again, no one knew on earth what was going to happen. But I think that God knew what was going to happen. And that's why I believe He spent so much time here on a, on a personal preparation for His disciples. And God desires to use us to make an impact as well for His name. And I'm thankful when we do then we can experience what He wants for our lives. Just like the disciples did. Because again, God still has a plan for this world. And God still has a light. It's for, it's, it, and that's us. And so God help us to continue to uh, know that God's taking care of the spiritual part. By God's grace, we got saved. Uh, we have a home in heaven. Uh, but also God cares about us personally. And so help us to continue to uh, look to Him uh, for guidance and for strength. Let's pray.